0: We're in Haggai. We're in number four of five. We're almost there as we think about first things first. So, we're going to be in chapter two, and we're going to be in verses 10 through 19. You'll want to turn there and get ready to go. Got a question for you this morning Have you ever made a self diagnosis of yourself? Why are you giggling? I mean, Is that not what people do these days? Is this not the world we're living in right now? I mean, we've got the internet. We've got WebMD. We've got this person's version about this thing and this person's version about that thing. And for whatever, and maybe you have a bad doctor, but I'm kind of partial to them because we have a son, that is, that spent... well over a decade of his life getting ready for that, and yet I know more because I found my friend's article on this, okay? Anyway, we're not gonna get into all that, but we're pretty good at self-diagnoses, aren't we? Yeah, we we tend to do that. I found some crazy self-diagnoses of what people told their doctor. Let's see if this is you. You ready? One mom took her kids to the doctor to get the weird bumps all over the back of their tongues examined. She knew they were dying. The diagnosis, the kids had taste buds. Who knew? It was supposed to be funny. <laughs> Ludicrous, maybe. One patient believed he had Stevens-Johnson syndrome. It's a rare, life-threatening skin uh, disease condition. And the actual diagnosis was this. Good old dermatitis due to coming in contact with laundry soap. Oops, you're not going to die. You're not going to die. Another patient scheduled an emergency mole inspection. You know what that is? You know what a mole is? Okay, yeah. An emergency mole inspection with the doctor because it had shown up overnight. This big mole had just came out overnight, and the patient thought it was cancer. Just a few seconds into, few seconds into the exam, the doctor wiped the mole right off the patient. It was chocolate that had melted onto her skin. Some of you chocoholics, I can see that happening. One more, one mother brought her middle schooler to the doctor, why? Well, the girl had bruises all over her legs. I'd be concerned, wouldn't you? Bruises all over her legs. The diagnosis from the doctor? She wore unwashed blue jeans and got sweaty. Honest mistake, right? I mean, their clothes, aren't they? No, not at all, yeah. And yet, church, We Christians often are good at providing ourselves with spiritual self-diagnoses. You see, we are often in denial about our bad spiritual diagnoses, and we try to deal with it. Instead, we should turn to the great physician, our God, for a true diagnosis. I want you to think about that for a minute. We're looking at holiness today. And of every sub- any subject out there, I think this is the easiest one for Christians to self-diagnose themselves instead of let God do it. Some of you are nodding your heads like you've been there before, like I have. Yes. So we're about three months into the temple rebuilding project, and now Haggai brings his third sermon to the people. And with it, it includes a bad diagnosis. And this diagnosis involves uh, holiness and defilement. Thankfully, as we get ready to read the scripture, we can know this truth. Our Lord, we just sung about our one true God, can always turn bad diagnoses into his blessings. He can do a work in our life. The big idea today is, if you want to get anything, is this. It's a tough one. Are you ready? Holiness is not religious living. Hear me. Holiness is not religious living, as good as that might be. You see, a clean start with God starts from within. It starts from within. Let's look at chapter 2, verses 10 through 19. On the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet. This is what the Lord of hosts says. Ask the priests for a ruling. If a man is carrying consecrated meat in the fold of his garment, and with, and, and with his fold touches bread, stew, wine, or oil, or any other food, does it become holy? The priests answered, no. Then... Haggai asks, if someone defiled by contact with a corpse, you know, that was a big deal back then, okay? With a corpse, touches any of these, does it become defiled? The priest answers, it becomes defiled, or yes, verse 14. Then Haggai replied, so is this people, so is this people, and so is this nation before me, the Lord's declaration. And so is every work of their hands, even what they offer there, are you ready, is defiled. Now, reflect back from from this day. Before one stone was placed on another in the Lord's temple, what state were you in? When someone came to a a grain heap of 20 measures, it only amounted to 10. How would you like that? You go, you pay for it, you go to get 20 and it's only 10. Wow. When one came to the wine press to dip 50 measures from the vat, it only amounted to 20. Look at what the Lord says. I struck you all the work of your hands with blight, mildew, and hail, but you didn't turn to me. This is the Lord's declaration. And thankfully the scripture begins to turn at this point because I'm depressed. What about you? And we get to verse 18 and 19. Consider carefully. Do you remember that? It keeps coming up in this little book. Consider carefully. Consider carefully from this day forward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, from the day the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it carefully. Is there still seed left in the granary? The vine, the fig, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have not yet produced. But from this day on, look at it, I will bless you. Aren't you glad for that last phrase there? Wow, let's pray. God, I pray today that we would evaluate our life in a very serious and deliberate way, that we would realize that we cannot conjure up holiness that we need a clean start, and it comes from you, and it's inside out. So, Lord, help us to understand today. Help us to focus on your word. Help us to apply things to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So let's jump right in. We're going to start uh, right there in verses 10 through 12. We got the the, the setup here, and the, the first point is this, holiness is not contagious. I know you were hoping it was, but holiness is not contagious. And let's remember, when we see the word holy in Scripture, it usually implies that someone or something is set apart from something. It is set apart from evil or set apart from sin, someone or something. So we need to remember that. And here, in this context, it's, it's the temple, right? They're rebuilding the temple to be holy. Why? Because it was to be set apart as the place where God dwelt among his people. That's what he was doing then. And so we have this setup that looks like this, and we start thinking about holy here. Well, the winter crops are planted. The rains are to come, hopefully. But the word of the Lord, do you see it? It's the word of the Lord. It's God's word it comes again through Haggai you see about a month earlier something else had happened that we don't have in Haggai have you ever heard of Zephaniah a month before that so we have that seventh month that eighth month that ninth month of year a month before that Zechariah arrives on the scene and begins prophesying how would you like that it's bad enough having one prophet right how would you like to have two And Zechariah spoke about the need for people to turn, to turn from their evil ways and return to God. Would you turn one page further in your Bible to Zechariah? Notice how it's right there. Is it right there? Let's look at the first six verses. In the eighth month, not the ninth, in the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah. Son of Edo. The Lord was extremely angry with your ancestors. So tell the people, this is what the Lord of hosts says. Are you ready? Return to me. This is the declaration of the Lord of hosts. And I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Do not be like your ancestors. The earlier prophets proclaimed to them, this is what the Lord of hosts says. Turn from your evil ways and your evil deeds. But they did not listen or pay attention to me, the Lord's declaration. Where are your ancestors now? And do the prophets live forever? But didn't my words and my statute that I commanded my servants, the prophets, overtake your ancestors? They repented and said, as the Lord of hosts, purpose to deal with us for our ways and deeds, so he has dealt with us. So the, the theme is right there. It's very clear. Just think turn and return, or return and turn, however you want. This is what's going on, and Zechariah arrives on the scene. It's clear from that message and from the message of Haggai the prophet that spiritual revitalization was needed. In the seventh month of the second year, in the eighth month, now in the ninth month, it is clear, it is clear that the holiness of the temple is not rubbing off on the people. Now, this is an interesting day. We see it's marked not just... Uh, the month, but it's the 24th day. Really, about some would say exactly three month period. But what's important about this day? This is the day that marked most probably, and what I believe, this is when the foundation of the temple had been completed, and and probably even dedicated. Many priests would be there, musicians would be there praising God. A large gathering of the people would be there and gave thanks to God. It's a good day. And then came two questions (laughs) and provided a bad diagnosis. You see, I, I believe it's easy to see how some people during that time felt that attending religious festivals, bringing sacrifices to the altar, or even working on the temple enabled them to have a holy relationship with God. Are you hearing me? You see how easy that would be? I'd be right there puffed up too, man. Look at what I'm doing. We just had these festival booths. All these things are going on. Look at this. Now look at the work on the temple, the foundation. Everything is good. I must have a holy relationship with God. Really? Clearly here, the answer to the first question is no. Holiness was not transferable to the third degree. It was to the second degree. Yes, the garment, as they carry in the sacrifice, did that. But if it touched something else, no. It's not contagious. It's not transferable. You see, real holiness, think about this. Real holiness involves the heart. Not just touching something. Not even working on something as worthy and good as it is. Maybe an example of today will help, help us. Think for a minute about good health. Picture someone you know in good health. Do you know anyone in good health? Okay. Good health is not contagious or transferable. I cannot rub up to um, one of my Denver Bronco buddies. No, I don't have any buddies. It's okay. But Or, or someone who's in, in great health. I can't just rub up to them or hug them or be around them and somehow I have good health all of a sudden. No. So that's a little picture we can see. See, holiness, it's not contagious or transferable. And the question for us to think about is are we believing today, are you believing, am I believing that someone else's holiness transfers to me or to us? Let's move on, verse 13. Here comes another question. And we would say, on the other hand, all right, think about this for a minute. Diseases can be contagious. Is is that not so? You you ever had kids in your home? Anybody? Did you ever have the stomach bug begin to go through the home? Oh, please don't let Mama get it, and then Mama gets it, and it's like a nuclear bomb went off in the house, right? We won't go into the details if those of you don't if you don't have kids yet, but it's rather graphic. Okay? Yes, contagious, contagious. As the commentator Moore said many years ago, it's a long time ago, I love this statement, one drop of filth will defile a vase of water. Many drops of water will not purify a vase of filth. Think about that for a minute. You see, defilement was contagious. There's this comparison of the corpse and it illustrates, I think, two central truths. It's, 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 they understood exactly. They know all those laws of purification, on and on and on. They know all this. The priests do, but the people do as well. They're, the people are not surprised by the answer. But here's two central truths. Number one, their sin had caused them to be spiritually dead and defiled. Are you with me? That's what sin does. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Right? Romans 6, 23. For the wages, for the penalty, for the wages of sin is what? Death. Okay? So sin causes people to be spiritually dead and defiled. And then here's the second truth. Because they are dead and defiled, listen closely. This is not preached everywhere. Man, I'm hearing more and more. Godly people who are writing books or preaching are, are saying truth. What's the latest one? Tony Evans said this, truth is not being preached from the pulpit in many churches around the United States. Wow. Isn't that crazy? So let get this truth. You might not hear it down the road because they're dead and defiled, no amount of activity on their part would profit them until they had repented of their sin. You see, once you're staying with sin, by the way, we're born with it, No amount of activity, I don't care if we're even working on the foundation and the rebuilding of the temple where God's presence will dwell, no amount of activity will fix the sin problem. There must be repentance, just like Zechariah said, repent, return, turn. It's these sermons that Haggai has been sharing This is what has to happen. Stated another way, no amount of effort on their part would improve their condition apart from repentance. And let me say that's true for us as well. No amount of religious effort on our part improves our condition apart from repentance. God illustrates here a central truth that's found throughout Scripture. Let me just bring it down. Our sin separated us from God. And has caused us to be spiritually dead. And their sin in that context is desecrating the temple. You see, evil and sin are contagious. Have you noticed lately how contagious that is? So I ask the question today, are we repentant? Or are we in denial? Think about it. Well, let's move on to verse 14. Then Haggai replied, so is this people. Can you see? I can just see him pointing. So is this people. And so is this nation before me, the Lord's declaration. And so is every work of their hands, even what they offer is defiled. Verse 14. Holy works do not make people holy. Now that is a scary thing for a pastor to say in church from the pulpit because we're trying to equip, right, people to go out and do holy works, but let's be careful. Holy works don't make people holy. God's application appears in this verse. God is now applying. Did you notice he didn't say, my people? Here he doesn't say my people, he says this people. He's implying there's a continuing rift between God and man. Reinforcing this risk, he goes on and God refers to them not as my nation, my children, but as this nation. It's another part of a bad diagnosis. It's a shocking announcement. The people had hoped that their holy work of rebuilding the temple would automatically make their land and all of its products and all of the work of their hands holy. Holy. And we know what condition they're in. And the answer is nope. Not going to happen. You see, only cleansed people can serve God with clean hands and clean hearts. I didn't say there's some people that are not serving God. But I'm telling you, if you want to serve God with a clean heart and, a, and clean hands, you must be cleansed. You see, without these people's gifts to God, hear me, no matter how costly your gift is, no matter how frequently it is given... It's unclean what did Jesus say about leaving that do you remember Leave, leave leave your offering there if you've got something against your brother go and make it right repent get cleansed get clean have pure motives and then come back hmm that's a hard statement but it's true they were defiled so their work was defiled. You see, righteousness cannot come from what a person does for God. I, I, I want you, I I'm so want to stress that because we're, we're a church full of people who are active in serving God. But we must remember that righteousness doesn't come from what I'm doing for God. It comes from what God does in my heart and in your heart. Unfortunately, too many in Haggai's day were like, we are today. They wrongly thought that their work on the temple, it's work for God, right? But could somehow bring the sanctification that only can come from the Lord God Almighty, the Lord of hosts. Amen? Yeah, we're not getting a lot of amens today. It's okay. It's a serious subject to contemplate and to think about. And I would tell you this, we must examine ourselves. Are we relying on religious works to make us holy? even though they might be really a good thing? Listen, we know that jumping through hoops and doing works does not lead to salvation, right? We're good about that, aren't we? But sometimes I'm not sure if we're good about even holy works that we would do after we're saved doesn't necessarily make us holy. It's what God is doing in our lives. It's the circumcision of the heart, of our hearts, that God is doing that. Holiness, a clean start with God, comes from within. And then we move to verses 15 through 19. And I like this. 15, 16, 17 don't go so well, but 18, 19 come to the rescue. But as we see in this section of Scripture, we see that there is a holy God. Amen? Holy God can turn discipline. Into blessings and the tide begins to shift the conversation moves on did you notice how verse 15 starts now 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 here we are we've talked about all that but now there's an obvious lack of blessing that's been going on and Haggai says to the people now reflect literally that means you ready Set it on your heart. Now, set it on your heart. It's an important day as the time had come to move beyond foundation and begin building the stone walls. And yet, he shares, do you see how life is going? You go to get 20 and it becomes what? 10. You go to get 50 and it is 20. You see, God had purposely sent drought and poor Crops, blight, mildew, and hail had come. I don't know about you, but that is the trinity of three bad things that I don't want coming. I mean, this has all happened. But the people had not responded well and had received God's judgment. It's like, look in, look in the book of Amos sometime. It's the people of Amos chapter 4. We see it over and over again in scripture. And they were to do something. They were to turn. Turn is the Old Testament word for repent. They were to turn from their sins and humble themselves. However, something was on the horizon. Don't you love the horizon? Have you ever seen the horizon when the sun is just beginning to come up? Or the mountain when the sun is coming up? Wow. Something's on the horizon. Things were really going to change as revival, as repentance, which was beginning in chapter one. Do you remember chapter one? God says, I'm with you. And they, they begin to do the work and they're beginning to follow the Lord. And this is taking place among the people as they're receiving these sermons from the Lord through Haggai and something is taking place. And then we get to verses 18 and 19 and we see the sharp contrast to 15, 16, and 17. Let me read 18 and 19 again for us. Consider carefully from this day forward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, from the day the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it carefully. Is there still seed left in the greenery? The vine, the fig, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have not yet produced. But, you know, when you see but, forget all that and let's look what this is going to say. But from this day on. The Lord of hosts says, I will bless you. They were to consider carefully again and again and again. Yes, they had been greatly disobedient. Yes, they had long, for a long time run from God. 16, 18 years not doing what God had, had commanded them to do. But now that is changing. They're confessing, repenting. Ready to honor God with their actions, but most of all with their hearts. And God's response to their change of heart and behavior was blessing. And I think that's true today. You will remember back in chapter 1, verse 13, he said, I am with you. Do you remember that? In chapter 2, verse 4, the Lord says, I am with you. What great hope we find at the end of this passage of scripture. Past failures brought God's curse, but his blessing would be available for those who repent and do his will. Hmm. I want you to think about that for a minute. Are you willing today? Are you willing to repent and be cleansed by God? I'm going to do something a little different today. I'm going to spend a little more time on ap- ap- application than I normally do and it's in your sermon notes so if you have them, grab them. We're going to go through a few things and I just want to this this idea of holiness is so important. I just want us to apply that right now today. Number 1. A clean heart is more than going through the motions of confessing sin. Are you hearing me? The motions of confessing sin. You see, our God knows the difference between lip service. Do you know what that means? Between lip service and a pure heart. Write it down Isaiah 29, 13. Isaiah 29, 13. Here's what God says These people approach me with their mouths to honor me with lip service, yet their hearts are far from me, and their worship consists of man made rules. Learn by rote. That's scripture. Wow. I would say we've got to be careful. We could go through the motions or we could do a holy or religious work even in worship, couldn't we? We could join in with everyone in worship. What's the heart like? So a clean heart is more than going through the motions of confessing sin. Number two, a changed heart cannot be faked or formed by religious activity. I'm going to tell you right now, God has dealt with that one in my life a number of times in my life. When your job is religious activity, hello, right? When your vocation is that, you can get going in that and not have the heart change that you need to have. I want you to really think about that, especially those of us who are really involved in things. Let's really examine ourselves, because the changed heart can't be faked or formed by religious activity. You see, what does the Bible say about our hearts? The Bible says that our hearts are, are full of idolatry, of greed, pride. Do I need to go on? It goes on and on and on, and doesn't it? Now that's not what people want to hear today. Some people are flocking to churches today to hear like, "You're a good guy, you're a good gal. Let the Lord bless you. You just be nice. Let the Lord bless you. But that's not the case of Scripture. Our hearts are full of evil, but God promises something to us. God promises inside-out change through His Spirit. Let me read from Jeremiah 31. Write this down. Jeremiah 31, verses 31-31 through 34 the day is coming says the lord when i will make a new covenant with the people this covenant will not be like the one i made with their ancestors when i took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of egypt they broke that covenant though i love them as a husband loves his wife says the lord but this is a new covenant i will make with the people of israel after those days says the lord listen closely I will put my instructions deep within them. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people and they will not need to teach their neighbors nor will they need to teach their relatives saying you should know the Lord. I mean look at the revival that's gonna happen. For everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already says the Lord. And this is what God does. And I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins isn't it amazing to know when we repent and turn and run to god that he forgives us anybody glad about that today isn't that on the pathway to holiness i'm so thankful removes them as far as the what i'm gonna get messed up sam where's the east as far as the east is from the west this curb building messes me up i'm sorry right And what? And he doesn't remember them anymore. Isn't that right? They go to the depths. Now, there's consequences and scars that remain while we're here on earth. But this is our God. And this is what he can do. Number three, application. God grants a clean start. We do not earn it. Listen to me today. You, whether you're watching on TV, uh, in your home, whether you're right here right now, You cannot earn it. It doesn't matter how much money you have, what family you're from, uh, what classes you teach, what you do. You're at the church seven days a week. Listen, we cannot earn it. The clean start only God can grant. Do you remember King David? Do you remember how corrupted his heart got? Do we need to go into those details? There's an affair, and I think even worse than that, because he's an authority figure, right? There's all that's going on. And then there's murder, there's cover-up, there's all this stuff. And if you haven't read Psalm 51 lately, read it. Guilt was so strong in David's heart. This is King David whose scripture calls a man after God's own heart. And he, it needs holiness so bad. I think we can relate to him. Can't you relate to him? And praise God. He repented. He didn't offer a decree. He didn't provide financial restitution. He had to repent. Do you remember when the prophet Nathan came before him and said, that is you, you're the one who did this. And David has to repent. Wow, I can relate to him. He repented and he had a clean start. You'll remember a famous verse in Psalm 51 when he cries out to God and he says, Create in me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. He knew that only God could do that. God grants a clean start. We do not earn it. Number four, last one. Truly confessing our sin. Now let me make sure that's clear. I said earlier, going through the motions, uh-uh. but truly confessing our sin to God does something. It, it always does this. It activates his mercy and it initiates a clean start. Whether you're you've been a Christian for a few days, or for many decades, a clean start of holiness can begin today in your life, because true confession of sin activates God and His mercies that are new every morning. First John 1, 9, we know it. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to do what? To forgive our sins, but don't miss this and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we're going to wrap up with this. We're still on your sermon notes. Take a look. Change can come, and here is how. Like every good preacher, I came up with alliteration. Three A's. Do you see them? I'm hoping we can walk out and remember these things. It's okay if you don't remember that. It was the 24th month of of the, the 24th day of the ninth month of the second year of King Darius. It's okay if you go out and don't remember that but let's remember about the diagnosis of holiness, okay? And here it is. Number one, or the first A, acknowledge. Acknowledge what? My unclean motives. My work, why I'm doing it, my religious activities. So we need to come to God and just acknowledge that we have unclean motives. Secondly, admit Admit that that leads to unclean deeds and actions. Do you recall here? Even what they were doing was defilement until they turned. So we've got to acknowledge this and then admit that I'm doing stuff and it looks, maybe my actions look great to everyone, but it's unclean. And then ask. This has been my prayer this week for each of us that we would ask, what does that mean? Ask God to forgive us. Ask God to forgive us as we resolve to obey Him. That's another word for repent, return, turn. Are you getting the picture? To obey Him and get a clean start that comes from within. I'm going to do something a little different today. I'm just going to ask that you remain seated. I'm just going to pray for us. We're going to have some music playing. And in the quiet, I want you to sit where you are and seriously ask God about holiness in your life. Would you do that? And I I want you to realize whatever he reveals to you you can confess that, and he will rush in with his mercy, and he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. What was the last phrase that we read? I will bless you. So much more than finances, so much more than anything you can think of what blessing might look like, but the blessing of having that set-apart relationship renewed or for some of you maybe received for the first time in your life. Now, if you've not had the time in your life where you repented and ran to God and asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, to save you, and to be the Lord of your life, if you haven't done that, that's what you need to do today. You, You can't ask for Him to cleanse you because you don't have the relationship with Him yet. So as we pray, there will be some who need to pray and ask God to save them from their sin as they run to Him. There will be many others who we, we will just pray and ask God to do a holiness check in our life. I'm going to ask you to be bold today, church. Bold. Whatever God reveals to you, would you confess it? Would you confess it? Let's pray. Oh, Lord. What a tough subject. (laughs) Not popular. Nobody wants to preach or teach on it. Is so vital, and I pray today that right now, as people are doing business with you, where they're seated here in the worship center in a chair, or maybe at home in a chair, God help us to do business with you. God, I pray that we would open our lives up to you and that we would invite you to speak into our heart condition so now God I pray for those who are lost who have no hope who have no relationship with you God I pray that they would repent and turn right now to you and ask for you to forgive them their sins to save them Rush in to take over their lives. God, I pray for those right now who are dealing with something in their life. That, Lord, this morning, right here, there be true confession, true repentance, true turning, true returning. God, we're so much like the bike tire, the inner tube that gets goat heads in it, and the air just slowly fizzles out. God, fill us again. As David said, God, create a clean heart in us. Send renewal our way, Lord, and a steadfast spirit comes from within. Give time for God to speak to you right now, church. God, we are humbled today. We acknowledge that you are the Lord God Almighty. We acknowledge that you are still the Lord of hosts. You are the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. You are the Prince of Peace, wonderful Counselor, mighty God, that you are Lord of lords and King of kings, our Redeemer. We turn we return, we repent, we run to you. God, we need a change of heart. Even, even in the midst of, of good activities, of good actions, of even influence with others, God, create a clean heart within us. We know you can do that. God, help us to submit ourselves. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.